morning, everybody. That was fast this morning. Quick transition there. Good to see you. Um, if I don't know you, I'm David, and uh, it's great to have you guys in worship here at Redeemer this morning. I want to begin actually by telling um, a little story that I think you guys would would really like to hear. That I think you'd want to know about um, our church. Uh, not too long ago, maybe a couple months, we got a phone call from a woman here in Manville. And uh, she's, um, she's an elderly woman. She's in her 80s. Uh, she's pretty isolated, pretty on her own, lives, lives alone. Um, and uh, she's mostly blind, and she needed help. And she called the church asking for help, actually kind of begging for help on, um, on the phone. And uh, thankfully, we had some people that were willing to go out and check on her and see what was going on. And they saw that there was a real need there. And thankfully, uh, somebody in our church who's got a real heart, an incredible heart to serve, um, has, has connected with this woman, and he is now, um, you know, going out and providing regular support for her, getting her food, uh, helping her get food if she needs it. He's helping um, do things, odds and ends around the house. If she has appointments, he'll take her and sit with her and then bring her home. And uh, in and of itself, that right there makes me really proud of our church. I hope it makes you proud too. I see some heads nodding. But here's the part actually that I really wanted to share that's incredible. Uh, during the ice storm, uh, we were worried about this lady. Um, she's on her own. She, it was cold. And so we checked on her early on, uh, just saw how she was doing. She was doing okay. She didn't need help, said she didn't want help. She was doing all right. Uh, left her some food. And then a couple days passed uh, after the ice storm, and we said, some said, we got to go out and check on her again. And so two gentlemen from our congregation went out there to go see her. And, um, and uh, when, they, when they got to her place, she was not in, it was not in good condition. She had uh, been on her own, uh, as she had been, but she had lost power. She had gotten cold. Frostbite was starting to set in. Um, she uh, hadn't eaten in a few days. And probably the scariest of all is that her power had come back on. A pipe had busted, and there was electricity and water mixing. One of the one of the outlets was smoking in the house, and so they immediately got her out of there. She stayed at the home of one of these guys for a few days. And what I think I'm very thankful for is um, because of that visit and because of that connection. Um, I think we probably she probably avoided a much much potentially worse outcome. I thought you guys would want to know that. I thought you'd want to know that um, this church, uh, when the opportunity is there, I'm so thankful that we have people willing to step up and serve. And I want you to know that sometimes our service makes a huge difference. It can even literally save a life. And, um, and it all actually directs and points towards what we are talking about today, which is serve. Serving, serve week. This is week three of our uh, series in the Red Letter Challenge. If you're new, this is a study we are doing as a church all together where we're going through this book day by day, week by week. Uh, every day we do a reading, we're leading up to Easter, and at the beginning of the week on a Sunday, we kick off the next week's uh, kind of topic, and, and it's serving this week. And if you're new and you want a book, we'd be happy to get you one, but um, that's what we're talking about today. 
about why we should serve, about why Jesus spent so much time talking about serving. And, and this is, just to give you again a reminder of the background of this book, this fellow, Zach Zender, looked at the Bible and he looked at specifically Jesus's words. Hence the red letter challenge. Hence, because most, uh, in many Bibles, the words of Jesus are highlighted in red. And, um, and he noticed that there were five things that Jesus spent the majority of his time talking about. Being, forgiving, serving, giving, and going. And so we've talked about being and forgiving today. We're going to look at something Jesus said about serving from John chapter 4 that I really think is going to help us know the why. Like, why did Jesus spend so much time talking about this? And it's what I want to, I want to leave with you guys today. Uh, if you've got your Bible, open up to John chapter 4. Um, it's going to be on the screens, on your phone. I'd encourage you to follow along. I'm going to pray before we open and we hear from God's word. Jesus, we are here um, before you. We're here before you, Father. Holy Spirit, we know that you're present. And our, our God, we come before you to hear from you, to worship, to sing your praises, to understand what it is that you've done in the world and are doing in our lives and Jesus, as we talk today about what you've told us about service, I pray that like the deeper thing would hit our heart. I pray that this wouldn't stay on the upper level, but we would really see in our soul what it is that serving does um, for us and for others and why you care about it so much. Lord, I, I, I just ask um, that the words of my mouth would be helpful in that. Lord, I pray that the meditations of all our hearts would be pleasing, that we'd be open to the work of your spirit in our lives. And Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All righty. John chapter 4. Uh, I'm going to read verses 27 through 36. Um, and I want to give you a little background before we get into the middle of chapter 4. I want you to know what comes on the front side. Of chapter four begins actually with a really uh, fairly well-known story about Jesus interacting with a Samaritan woman at a well. And 21st century readers don't pick up on this, but the story is actually scandalous. It's it's a scandalous story to the original audience because Jesus is breaking two cultural barriers that he's not supposed to do as a Jew and as a man. One, as a Jew, he is talking and interacting with a Samaritan. And Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. They weren't ethnic buddies. In fact, Jews avoided this area so they didn't have to talk to Samaritans. But here's Jesus striking up a conversation with a Samaritan. The second barrier is that Jesus is a man and he's publicly talking to a woman. And in the ancient Near East in the first century, men didn't publicly talk to women. It was taboo. You didn't do that. And in fact, in lots of parts of the Middle East still today, men are not supposed to publicly talk to women. And yet here at the beginning of chapter four, Jesus is, is, is just crashing through these barriers really because he has a heart for this, this woman at the well. And he, he wants to, to talk to her about deeper spiritual truths and free her and save her. And so he, he has this conversation with her. They talk uh, actually about religion. 
And she has some ideas that are not quite right. And he tries to tell her that and and, and even tells her that he's the Messiah and that if she knew the water that he could give, he would give her living water from a well that would never run dry. And she doesn't buy it. In fact, she kind of pushes back on it until Jesus airs a bit of her dirty laundry from her love life that he has no business knowing. And, um, and, And in that moment, probably out of shock and and amazement and being ashamed, she actually begins to believe that he says who he is, that he is the Messiah. And that's the beginning of chapter four. I love that story. It's so beautiful. It shows us the heart of God for every single person and the willingness of God to break and crash through barriers to help people be saved. But the part that I want to actually get into this morning is what comes next. Uh, the part where the disciples return at the end of this interaction and Jesus has something that he says to them that he wants them to understand. And with that, let's go ahead and read our passage. John chapter 4, verses 27 through 36. Here we go. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or Why are you talking to her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could somebody have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you have a, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. All right, so Jesus has just talked to this woman at the well, and the disciples have come back from somewhere. They're, they're returning from somewhere. Where were they? Well, uh, based on what we see in the text, they probably had gone to that nearby town to get some food because it was lunch and they were hungry. And there's a little note at the beginning of chapter four that says this, Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So what had happened at the beginning of all this is they were traveling and they got to this well and Jesus was tired and he needed a rest. And so he sat down at this well. The disciples went in to go get food and now they're coming back and they've got um, probably full bellies and they're feeling better and they're bringing with them probably some food for Jesus. So they get back and they see him with this woman. They're a little confused, but then they say, hey, Jesus, uh, we, we got some food for you. His disciples urged him, it says in verse 31, Rabbi, eat something. Why don't you eat something? You're hungry. You're tired. Can Jesus get hangry? I don't know, right? But that's what they're thinking, right? Uh, they wanted him to eat. And so Jesus gives them this response. And it's, and it's interesting. Verse 22, he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. If you're the disciples in that moment, 
that's, that's a confusing answer, right? You're, you guys were hungry. You left Jesus, went to go get some food. You brought it back. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I'm, I'm good, right? Uh, and I love how in the text, they, um, the, it says the disciples kind of were like said to each other. They said to each other, like they backed off and they were kind of like, what? Like Jesus, you have food that we know nothing about? Like did this woman give him some food, right? Did somebody else bring Taco Bell to the well and we didn't know about it? That was funnier than you guys laughed at. But um, uh, <laughs> what what is so interesting is He's talking on one level. They don't get it. And then Jesus picks up on this kind of confusion and he clarifies. This is what he said. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me in to finish his work. The food I'm eating that you know nothing about is to do the will of God who sent me and to finish God's work. And um, that's what's feeding him. And that's what he says is enough for him in that moment. And I want to pause there and step back because I really want us to get this. I really want us to hear what Jesus is saying. And I think it has ramifications for how we understand what we need and our nourishment in our lives. And, and let, let's, let's talk about like this. Why do we eat food? What is the purpose of eating? Yeah, there, there's, some, there's some answers out there. You ever even ask yourself that question? Why do I eat? Why do I eat what I eat, right? There's actually probably a lot of different answers that, that, are, that, that exist for that question. Uh, I don't want to get too psychological here, but um, uh, there's two that really emerge in my mind. And one is the first one that I heard said in here. Uh, we eat for nourishment. We eat to put fuel in our body, just like cars need gasoline, the body needs oranges and apples and carbs and rice and pizza and uh, whatever, El potatoes, right? Meat. We have the meat, right? And, um, and, and uh, that, that is a big part of why we eat. Like, we have to eat. Our bodies were made to take in food and nutrients and vitamins and proteins and carbs and then power these machines, Right? What's the other reason that we eat? Here's the other big one that really emerges, maybe for me more than others. I don't know, probably for you too. We eat for enjoyment, don't we? Yeah, I like the yes. Can I also get an amen on that? Amen, right? Uh, You know, there's some people that I know that are my friends. Maybe you guys know people like this too that really don't care what they eat. Like they'll just, it's just an exercise for them. I got to eat to get some stuff in my body so I can keep going. I don't understand you. Like I just, I don't get that. You are very different from me because for, for me, like the joy of food is the taste of it, right? And I really want to eat my favorite foods all the time, right? So why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them what your favorite food is? Yeah. Good. I'm hearing some good answers. Uh, And you know, I I like the whispering, but if it was me, I'd be shouting it out. French fries, right? Steak. (laughs) Uh, Nachos, right? I'm on a Lenten eating plan right now. And um, I don't know why I just had you guys do that because it's just making me. 
hungry, but it's really hard because uh, Buffalo Wild Wings aren't isn't on that plan, and neither is wrap and roll fusion fries. <laughs> um, but uh, that's the other reason we eat because it tastes so good. Praise the Lord, Amen, Hallelujah. Um, but 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 how does this tie into what Jesus is is saying? Right? What, what does that r- relate to? Well, here's here's what I think. Um, here's what I think is happening, and, and that little exercise helped me th- think about as well. Just like we need food to fuel our bodies, I think what Jesus is saying is there's a food that fuels our souls. That there is something that we need for the nourishment of our soul, for the joy of our lives, that's just important as physical food is to our bodies. Right. And and um, and he's saying to the disciples, right, you think that what I need is just physical food. You think that's what's going to restore my soul and give me energy. But it's not right. Matthew four, after 40 days of fasting, Jesus said to the devil who was trying to get him to turn stones into bread. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What he's saying is there's a food that we need that feeds our souls that comes from God, right? And, and it actually also comes from being a part of God's mission in the world. Part of the power of knowing your purpose is that you have a food that feeds your soul. And, and you may be able to have a full belly physically, but you'll never have a filled soul until you put it towards the purpose of serving God and, and making a difference with his purposes in the world. And I really think that's what Jesus is driving at here. And I think that's actually what he wants his disciples to know as he's living it out in front of them. Let me put it, let me put it like this. Serving God is food that will feed your soul. Serving God is the food that you need to fuel, to fuel your soul, to feed your soul. You guys hear that? Do you believe it? Here's, a, here's the thing. I, I think um, I, I hear that, and I hear Jesus, and I believe him, and I, I understand it in my head, And I also actually understand it in my heart to some degree. But I'll tell you where I think it's really hard. I think serving God, the place where this misses is on my calendar. It's it's when this actually treating service like food that I need, the place where it's hard is to get it into, into the patterns and the habits and the regular parts of my life, right? And the reason for that is honestly just the culture and the time that we live in. Um, We live in a consumer culture. I think this is one of the hardest things that keeps us from serving. And what I mean by that is we live in a culture that encourages us, that drives us. All the momentum of our culture is for us to consume, to take, to want more of, rather than to contribute and to give and to serve. Our economy is built on consumption. Our lives every day are driven towards consumption. And while Jesus said, it is better to give than to receive, all of us today have been culturally conditioned to be very good receivers and very good consumers. And just to give you one little illustration of that that I think you'll resonate with, I want to read you something that just uh, put together some things that we've all heard in, in marketing
in America, says this, to gain your business as a consumer in America, a company will promote their quality, value, style, service, selection, convenience, easy terms, affordable prices, money-back guarantee, free installation, free admission, free appraisal, free delivery, free estimates, free home trials, and free parking. No cash, no problem, no kidding, no fuss, no risk, no obligation, no red tape, no down payment, no entry fee, no hidden fees, no purchase necessary, no payments until September, and don't forget to pick up your free gift, right? <laughs> and why are companies so willing to do this for us? Right? Because you, the consumer, you're that important, right? We want you to be happy, satisfied. The customer's always right. Come into Burger King and have it your way, or America right? And that's all part of what drives consumption. It's, it's in the air around us every single day, good, bad, and, or indifferent. It is what it is. It's our culture. And, um, and, and what I think happens, which is what happens with culture, because it's the water we're swimming in, is, is this kind of thing seeps into our expectations and our motivations and our understanding of the world around us. And we, we view everything as, from the perspective of the consumer and not the contributor. And, and, and so it shapes the way that we interact with uh, any public entity, the school, the government, my HOA, right? Uh, and let me, let me share, I think, even, even the church. Um, good, bad, or indifferent. It is what it is. And just to give you one illustration that I think really brings this out, you know, today, um, I think for the for a few decades, maybe four, five, six decades now, uh, instead of going to a church that's really just the closest to our home, or which is the church is the one that our families went to for generations, Right, which is, by the way, how most people have gone to a church for a long, long time. How, how do we go to church today? How do you, people, people have a thing that they do. They say, I'm going to go church shopping. Shopping, where'd that word come from? <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's a word out of consumer culture. Right? And, and look, I am not trying to be overly critical here. I actually think culture is what it is, and you work with it wherever it hits you, um, and you need to be aware of it and its influence in you, on your life. And what I want to tell you is I deeply believe that you need to be at a church where, um, where you're able to belong, where you're able to connect with other people following Jesus, where you are able to uh, to grow in your faith. And I think that you should choose a church that does those things. But let me tell you, there's a part of this equation that I think we easily, easily miss. And we also need to choose a church or, or find a place where we can serve. That, that that is just as important as any other elements in, in a church, in a community. We have to know that I've got to contribute as much as I consume. Uh, Jesus said that um, the Son of Man came to serve and not to be served. And if that would be the attitude that we would also take and the way that we live our Christian life faithfully inside and outside the walls of our church... You know what? I think that many of us would find our faith a lot more fulfilling. 
I think a lot of us would find some of the things that bother us about Christians or a church like kind of fall off to the side when we get committed to serving in, in a way that God calls us. And, um, and I think we've got to realize, we've got to hear what Jesus is saying here. Our souls need to serve. We were made not just to consume, but to contribute. We need the food that comes only from serving God. And if we don't have the food that serves our soul, we're, we will spiritually starve. And we will be, uh, we will be malnourished. And, and I get so encouraged, actually, when I meet and I see people who are part of the church who realize this and who don't come, come to a place looking and saying, oh, the, the church is here to meet all my needs and to offer me religious goods and services. We talk about this in partnership. No, 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 no. Right? Um, the church is a movement of people saved by Jesus, following him, leading others to him, and by their service and their good deeds in the world. Doing what? Changing it. Changing the world. If your attitude is one where you say, I am here to serve and not just to be served, I promise you, you will find joy, enjoyment in that food. You'll find nourishment in that food. And you'll find a purpose that is greater than yourself that will give you the energy that you need that will feed your soul. And you may just end up saving someone else's, helping to save someone else's soul in your serving, which is the second thing I want to draw out of this passage. In this scripture, after Jesus talks about um, his food being to do God's will, you know the next thing that he connects to it? Saving souls. And he uses that language. I want to read for you verse 34 and 35 again. It says this, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Then he says, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. Uh, but I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for what? Eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. I... I, so here's what's going on. The sower and reaper stuff, it may feel confusing. Don't get caught up there. All Jesus is doing is he's making an analogy, again, carrying this analogy of food to a harvest and not a harvest of food, but a harvest of souls. But the food is the serving God and seeing the souls that are ready to be saved right now. And I feel like I just started rhyming, but y'all you got, got what I'm saying there? If you eat food, he's saying and you participate in the work of God right now, you know what will happen is you'll, you'll find this food and you'll be a part of saving souls. And in this passage, if you keep reading, the Samaritan woman goes back to that town, right? We read that in there. And she tells some people and they come out to Jesus. And then Jesus and the disciples stay and serve those people for a few, you know, a few more days. And you know what the end of this, of this section says? Many Samaritans came to believe. Uh, and Jesus because of it, right? He's making that connection. Um, here is the way that um, I'd, I'd say it to you. And uh, it's just a slight adaptation, something that we saw in the Red Letter Challenge about serving that was so good. It's, it's this. Serving won't save your soul, but it might help save someone else's. So good. And it's so true. Serving will not save your soul, but I'll tell you what, it sure might be a part 
of helping to save someone else's. And I just, I just, I, I need the theology to be clear here, so I'm going to speak. We can't save ourselves, right? That's what, that's what that is saying. Scripture says we cannot save ourselves. There's no amount of good deeds that you can ever do that will make a dead person come alive again. Jesus is the only one that can save. And so serving might be necessary to feed our soul, but it won't save your soul. At the same time, your service matters pointing people to Jesus. It does. I can't, I can't overstate that. You have no idea how, how the things that you do in your serving God are going to help move another person to know, to trust, and to follow um, and, and, uh, and, and, and your service, your willingness to sacrifice and make that happen will make that difference. And, and the scripture, Jesus points this out as part of what he says when he talks about serving. Do you want me to grab just one of these mics here? You got another pack? Test, 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 woo! Okay, testing, nope, try it again. Test, 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 test. If I find my train of thought after this, Lord. Test, 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 test. Do you just want me to grab one of these mics? Are we good? Am I on? Okay, let's read a passage. Matthew five fourteen through 16, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may, what, see your good deeds. And then what happens? They glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus is telling God's people who are they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to do in the world in the Sermon on the Mount, where his heart is, what the intent of the law was. And he's saying, when you live out who you're called to be, when you, when you are doing the good deeds, when you're serving me in the world, what's the result of that? People will see those things and glorify God in heaven. And it happened in this passage. And actually, I can tell you, I've seen it happen over and over again. And today, I just want to invite you, encourage you, urge you to serve. Okay? Are you serving? Do you have a place where you're serving, where you're feeding your soul through the work of serving God inside, outside the church? I, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in you knowing what it means to find the food and the enjoyment and, uh, of, of giving yourself in God's work to someone else. And I actually believe every Christian, deep, I do deeply believe this, every Christian has a place of service, a place where we are called to make a difference. And, um, and if you don't, like what I'd love to do, what we'd love to do is help you find that place, right? I want, there's uh, a simple, easy process here at Redeemer to do that. All you do is you text this word serve to the number on your screen. We even have a consumer mode to make it happen in your life, okay? You text the word serve, you fill, they're going to get a form kicked back, you fill it out, and then you're going to give us some information. But the goal is to have a conversation with you about the way in which God might be calling you to serve and you can feed your soul and, and, um, and get you serving. And I just want to offer one more thought if you're still mulling this over 
in your mind. If you're still like not quite there, if you're like, I don't, I don't know if I want to give the time and the energy and make the sacrifice. I often think that the reason we're unable to do this is because we think too small of our service. We think that what we do is too little when actually what, what we're doing is so much bigger. And let me just illustrate this. And I think, a a really simple way that's very practical and real at the church. Say you're on the welcome team. Yeah, there we go. Someone may have a vested interest in that, right? Um, we, you're, you, and you're like, okay, I'll, maybe I'll be a greeter. What in your own mind is the thing that you're imagining you do if you're a greeter? Come a little bit early, right? But maybe not too early, right? But you come a little bit early, and you get there and you stand by a door and you put a smile on your face and you open it for people. 10 minutes, 15 minutes before the service. You may have a team meeting with Johnny. He'll inform you about later, which is great. But um, that's it. That's, that's what you do in your mind. You're just greeting people, right? Let me tell you, it, that is what you do, but it's really honestly the smallest part of what you do when you're a greeter. Because what you're actually doing as a greeter at a church is you are part of a ministry of hospitality and welcome that people need to to experience, to know the belonging that is possible in the kingdom of God. To know that this is a community where they are welcome, where they are wanted, where they are loved. And it's not about opening a door, right? It's about communicating that to people through the actions and the words and the deeds that you do on a Sunday morning. And so when you open that door, what you're really doing is opening your heart to them. You're looking for the person who isn't connected, who doesn't know somebody, and you're finding them. You're saying, hey, what's up? I'm David. I don't think I've met you yet. I taught people how to do this in partnership, right? It's, uh, it's so, I cannot tell you how much of a difference that can make in someone's life. And the other thing, you don't know when people come here on Sundays, I don't know what your week was like, right? God doesn't give me a briefing on your life every week, right? I don't know if it's been a hard week or an easy week, but I I know a lot of times it's it's a lot of hard weeks. And when we make it to church, right? uh, If somebody is there that like really is excited to see us, and is, is ready to smile and welcome us. It, it lifts the spirit in a way that lets us be ready and to worship, that helps our soul get what the soul needs when it comes to church on a Sunday morning. Are you, are you guys, are you getting what I'm saying? Are you picking up what I'm laying down here? Okay, uh, just, I'll just give one more example because I think it's just helpful to think about these things. I want you to see the deeper part of your serving. Think about children's ministry for a second. A lot of us have kids. A lot of us are tired of our kids. <laughs> a lot of us, uh, it takes a lot to serve a lot of kids. Um, and uh, if you sign up to do children's ministry, what do you do? Right? You, you, you are part of a lesson over there. You may lead it. You may interact. You may have to miss the sermon. Uh, or you come to services, um, which not enough people do, by the way. Um, but uh, it, I, I want to tell you, like, it's not just about filling a time slot or just teaching some sort of lesson. Um, if they were here, I would have my four kids stand up here 
Maybe not, but just to illustrate, Jesse, Jeremiah, Jonathan, and Jordan, and I tell you, I want your investment in their life. I want you to care for them like a child of God who needs this church, who needs to know Jesus, and because they are better people than their parents to help them see that, right? Um, I, we, need, we need to see these kids and our ministry to them as the deeper work that God's called us to do. Right. And and it's that that sacrifice of just giving up some time and saying, I'm going to invest in the life of these kids. That makes all the difference in our service and, and, and helps us to see that it's not just, oh, I signed up to do this this week. Helps us to see, oh, this is a ministry that God has called me to that makes a huge impact in the life of this person. Your service won't save your soul, but it may help save the soul of someone else. Sometimes as I shared earlier, quite literally, right? And so let me encourage you guys. Let me ask you, do you have a place to serve? Do you see the deeper point of your service? Will you respond to the Spirit if He's bothering you right now? If you guys are serving, I want to thank you. And um, guys, I, I just... I. I thank you for your heart, for this church, and for God. And I just ask you, feed your soul with the, with the food of service. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, I want to thank you so much for these people in this place and this time that we get to have before you and the way that sometimes you awkwardly answer questions to force us to think about things that we need to think about, that we need to see, that we need to be reminded of. Lord, help us to, to really figure out how You've called us and shaped us and gifted us and formed us to be your people and to serve you in this world, in this place. Lord, help us to see the deeper meaning. Help us to, to not just treat it as the superficial thing we got to get done, but to see the heart and the life of the person who we get to influence for your sake, Lord. Jesus, I pray in all these things and all the ways that your spirit moves us, help us to follow you, to lead others to you. And by your grace, Lord, help us to change this world. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.